So my wife has become obsessed with the Marco Polo app. I think of it as a Snapchat for adults, except uh, these videos don't disappear because we as adults, we don't have the same memory capacity as our children or necessarily the need to hide what we're sending each other, right? I've also never done Snapchat, so I don't know if it's a good analogy, but this is just how I think of it. I think of it as like a mature Snapchat for people who aren't being sneaky and hiding things from their parents. She's been also asking me to make videos for YouTube for the better part of a year. It's something I've never been comfortable doing. Well, she has been sneakily taking the majority of this year to get me used to talking into my phone to our kids. So here we are. Now I have a Marco Polo channel where I'll be hosting a 30-day accountability forum starting January 1st, 2021. No Instagram filters or sophisticated edits, just me talking directly to you about how I will prep for the new year, what I'm cooking, and how I get back into my workout routine. You'll be able to respond to my videos, and once a week I will answer as many of your questions as I can. Go to the American Glutton website, or the American Glutton Instagram for all the details on how to sign up. It's so simple once you get started. This is how you will communicate with your spouse. I believe that because this is generally how I communicate with my spouse. It's like sending a text message in a video. I think that is what Snapchat is, but this is like a wonderfully more mature version of it. Use the code FAILBETTER2021 for a discount when you sign up before the 15th. I hope you guys like this. This was my wife's idea. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Paige Dorian, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's been a minute. Has it been like three years since we've recorded one of these together? That's kind of what it feels like. Jesus. I know. Okay, good. Well, we've, we've survived Thanksgiving. Yes. And we head into another season of gluttonous American holidays. Holidays that are designed and, and tailored around food and consumption. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I, that's what I thought this Thanksgiving, which is now just a few days ago. Um, I was thinking, God, there is so much focus on food. And I don't know if it's that I'm just more aware now, you know, from having been doing this with you, but it, it's it's so much about the food and we forget what the meaning of these holidays are. Sometimes it's all about the food. Well, isn't the meaning just to overeat? Well, <laughs> I think technically uh, to not. overeat on a day and not punish ourselves about it. I mean, that's to me, that's what it always seems. And by the way, I, I was reading something about Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving was kind of like a, a stiff middle finger to the elites or to the aristocracy years ago. And they described it in this way because there was no, nothing was coursed out. It, it's just a huge meal. Nothing is supposed to be like super refined, you know, meat, some vegetables, some starches. And 
I really enjoyed thinking of it in that way. But then there's part of that that always bothers me every year, which is there's so much time and effort put into cooking a meal and it's the meal that's gone fastest. Right. Like you gotta, you gotta kind of stop people from eating to do the whole, like, what are we thankful for Mm -hmm. routine just to slow it down a little bit because everybody just slops their food on their plate and then they eat. And without some kind of ritual, it's like a five minute, you know, that's hyperbolic, 10 minute meal right? that's, that's taken all day to prepare. No, it's true. Or sometimes even the day before we're all cooking the day before we're planning the week before we're making lists, we're doing things. And it's all about the food. Everyone sits down, they shovel it in their mouth, go back for more. <laughs> right. I mean, and you can do that. And I mean, I, I don't know, maybe some people get super elaborate, but Really, it's turkey, stuffing, potatoes, and then some shit in cans like green beans or cranberry jelly. What else is – I mean, that's like – okay, green bean casserole. Right. That's maybe a prepared vegetable, I guess. Sure, with canned mushroom soup and things like that. I've never made it, but is that how it's made? (laughs) That is one route. (laughs) Right. Well, it's interesting. So we get so many questions um, to AmericanGlutton.net about, you know, the holidays are coming. How do I stay on my plan? How do I not overeat? How do I maintain some form of control? And everyone is asking that because, you know, now obviously we just said Thanksgiving, but we're coming up on Christmas and we're going to have the exact same meal, the exact same uh, you know, even more because you're, I feel like with, at least in my family and group, we start eating a lot in the week leading up to Christmas. So what, what are some things that people can do to be mindful to, you know, is it like you talk about planning out a cheat meal? Is it planning out how much you're going to allow yourself to have? And, you know, what are some things people can do to not wind up off their plan from it? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I, I personally think the plan is a senior to the holiday because whatever your plan is, if you're trucking along on your plan, like does a meal really give you enough to potentially derail it? For me, the answer is no. Now, I've I've had many years where I come into a holiday in the midst of a of a very strict diet, and my wife and kids are are like not happy with that. You know, if on Thanksgiving I just take a slice of turkey breast, which is not the best part of the turkey, in my opinion, and have that alone on my plate, they they feel some kind of disappointment, I guess. But then I also know that I can go the other route too and just like total debauchery and, you know... Uh, not even eat turkey, just eat like jalapeno poppers and cover them in turkey gravy. And, and uh, my whole plate is just stuffing or something like this. And I feel like I get some shade from them for doing that too. (laughs) You know, and and that could be in my head. That could just be from years of, of poor eating that has led me to be, kind of uh, feeling judged no matter what I do. 
But I do know that, that if everybody's sitting down to enjoy a meal, it's not always going to be fun to have one person who's like, I'm abstaining this year from participating in this meal that everybody's come together to enjoy. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's certainly situations where I could go like it's completely justifiable for a group of people to get together and enjoy a meal. And then I just think about how many meals outside of holidays I've overindulged in. And like, I don't even really feel that I need to do that anymore just because of the sheer quantity of meals that I've sat and overeaten at. And so the idea of overeating to me gives me no pleasure at all. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, that makes sense. But you, you've come to that, like you just said, from years of overeating and you're, you know, really doing so well in, in your plan and you're, it's almost second nature to you and that, that's not your desire. What about when, so what if we allow ourselves that meal and we go, okay, great, we're going to go off of our, you know, the, the, the diet that we're doing right now and we're letting it all go for this Christmas dinner that's coming up or whatnot. You know, there are some people, myself included, who, um, because I've been really on a plan now for some months and having a lot of success and feeling really good. But there is that thing where, you you know, you can have a meal and then you can wake up the next day having had that thing, maybe you're, you know, triggered uh, or, you know, it, it, it makes you want more. You want to indulge more. So maybe you'll have some leftovers for breakfast and maybe you decide I'll eat the pie for lunch or whatnot, you know, like what... I think that's something that some people can, you know, it can just send you on a bender, I guess, for lack of a better word. So it's not just the one meal that we're sometimes overeating at. It's like, how do you avoid derailing your whole uh, plan that you're on just with that meal? Because it can send you down a spiral. Yeah, I think there's lots of easy ways. For me right now, trying to track calories would be the way I would do it today and go like, here's roughly what my caloric intake is for the day. And I'm just not going to exceed that, but maybe I'll have whatever I want. Maybe I won't front load everything with lean protein and then divvy up carbs and fat. Maybe I'll just track calories. People who aren't doing that, I always think of keto as being super easy because you're just getting rid of a whole kind of section of food and so you know you you gotta remember that like stuff like gravy is full of flour which I always failed at remembering years and years and years of doing keto I would put gravy on my meat and go like well this is a keto meal right it's mostly fat but you know it's 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 a slurry of carbs at that point too right So there's like hidden things, I think, also in holiday meals to watch out for. But I think if it's planned well, then it's not really a deviation. And so if you you plan out what you're going to do and you stick to your plan, that's how I have avoided that feeling of failure, which has led to days and then weeks of trying to claw my way out of a hole that I've gotten into because the holiday meal overtook me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a good point and why so many people, I mean, we can dig ourselves into such a deep hole and the thing everybody does first of the year is go on a diet, the New Year's resolutions and the whatnot. So, you know, sticking to your plan up into the holiday and like you said, mapping out what you're going to allow yourself to have, whether it's the one meal or if it's a day and a half or if it's, well, I'm not going to eat carbs, but I'll let myself have the wine or whatever it is for the person. And then, yeah, making it part of making a part of your overall diet and it's not uh, like you, you like you blew it. Yeah, I think there is a lot, there's a lot to be said about the, like the recklessness of holiday eating where you, you can go like, I'm just going to give myself a break, you know? And, and I think that, that we have to remember we're not all the same person. So there could be a person who has been working on losing 10 to 15 pounds and they're they're sliding into the holidays in a good spot and and you know maybe eating whatever they want not thinking about it at all isn't going to completely derail their progress and it's not even necessarily going to hinder them getting back on the wagon and continuing forward afterwards for me coming from such deep issues with eating for so many years there was there it was very very difficult to go off during the holidays and then get right back on and also the damage I could do just almost like you know you think about things like muscle memory I believe I have fat memory or you know uh the ability to overeat memory where you know, if I try to do it one time today, I'm not going to be able to really eat to the point that I make myself basically unconscious. But if I put in a few days of effort at that, I think I could get it back. I did a I did an eating challenge with the guys from Renaissance Periodization, the RP guys, Mike and Jared and Charlie. And I failed miserably. And I really did try to to put my best foot forward to eat these guys under the table. And I knew like there was certainly a time in my life where I could beat all of them huh. at eating. I don't know that there was necessarily a time where I would have been comfortable beating them at eating, but now I come in and they're talking so much shit about who's going to out eat who. And they're all a little bit worried about me, right? Because <laughs> I had have had the most, the, the, the biggest history with overeating. And so I was kind of feeling myself like I got this and then I just didn't perform well at all. Granted that the eating challenge was stuff that you normally wouldn't think I'm going to overeat this. It was poke bowls, okay. homemade poke bowls. So it was like a lot of rice, white rice, and then raw fish. And so after a couple of these, you're just kind of like not into eating it anymore, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really struggled with it. But I think, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I could have mopped the floor with these guys. And, and so 10, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, I don't even know if you have to go back that far, but there was a time when I could I could come into the holidays having been dieting for a while and I could easily put on 20 pounds or more 
in the month of December or from like uh, Thanksgiving through Christmas. And it just kind of seems to me like one thing after the next that gets you. Now, this is going to sound so sick, but like you go Thanksgiving, uh, suddenly there's eggnog at the supermarket. Eggnog is like poisonously high in calories. You know what I mean? Like a thimble of eggnog is... It has a ton of calories. And then and then suddenly you start to see like the flavored lattes show up at the coffee shops, you know, eggnog lattes or pumpkin spice nonsense and all this other stuff. And so the calories just start kind of coming in. And, and I don't even know if this will be a thing this year because, you know, I think social gatherings are illegal. Right. In America are certainly where we live. Um, but but you would start to see these get-togethers, and all the get-togethers are, are surrounded by, like, elaborate cheese plates or, you know, some kind of eating thing where we all get together and eat. I, I, I just find those to be utterly pointless now. Yeah. Um, and so I have Thanksgiving and then... Because we have a very big family, there's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. There are big Christmas meals on both of those days. And then I think we do, what do we do with your friends? Like a day. Oh, yeah. Christmas Eve morning pancakes at one of our friends. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there you have to go and eat a bunch of carbs and butter and syrup. And there's like syrup butter even. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like all this shit designed around eating. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't know. For me, it's not worth it anymore. So I would, you know, at the same time, I'm I'm a guy who who came from being massively overweight. And so like the the trade off, because if I if I think about it, like five pounds of fat gain, that's not even like a scary thing. That's like Uh, just another it's almost something that I would look forward to because I know how to do fat loss really well and it gives me a a new goal like oh I gained five pounds I got to lose five pounds but 20 pounds of fat gain which I could easily do if I just stopped thinking about my regimen at all for a month that that could happen yeah Um, and that's not worth it that's scary Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah, so that's actually such a great point. I feel like for, for, I mean, I'll take that advice of just like looking at, is is it worth it? And we all know ourselves, right? Like I know... I can't really allow myself more than a day uh, maximum two of being off of my plan right now, or I will just get a big case of the buckets and then all the progress I've made will go away, right? Like I know that for myself. And so this is the first holiday I can remember where I was able to kind of keep that restriction for myself. And like, I'm back on my thing after I didn't even really overeat on Thanksgiving. I just let myself have some of whatever we had. Um, but I think that's something like people have to know themselves, you know, what you can do, what, what barriers you can cross or not and, and manage your holiday eating and your plan that way. Right. And some people 
Some people have to stick to it 100% and not allow themselves any carbs or sugar or whatnot. Some people have to make sure they work out Christmas morning and then they can let themselves have dinner. But I think we all know ourselves and what our what's going to make us really go off the rails, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think you... I mean, and I, and I think this is kind of true for anybody doing any diet. There's got to be some real kind of, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to use AA terminology, but almost um, a moral inventory where you're looking through your shit and you're mm-hmm. going like, what have I succeeded at? What have I failed at? Try to figure out what your limitations are actually. And and I think there's a there's a place where you can be aware that you have had trouble in the past, but that you know you can beat whatever those hurdles are. You can get over them, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just have to figure it out. But if there's stuff that you're honestly not going to succeed at, you got to figure out what's more worth it. Is it... If, if you can't go to the, you know, the buffet at Caesar's Palace and survive a trip on whatever eating regimen you're doing, then you just don't go there, you know? Yeah. Or you go like, I'm just, I, I realize what's going to happen if I go there. It's always occurred. I've never beaten it. I'm, I'm going to recognize that and I'm just not going to go two days in a row or whatever it is. But I think it requires some honesty. It requires some forethought. And, you know, if, if you have the friends who make the maple syrup, butter and pancakes every Christmas Eve morning and you go there and you, and you go every year going, I'm not going to eat this thing. And then you eat it and then you have seconds and thirds and then you feel sick and then for three days, you're just eating sugar. Maybe you got to start with excising that from your holidays or like what I've done is I've asked our friend or the other page to prepare me egg whites. And so I go and I just don't eat the, the maple syrup butter. I eat, she makes me egg whites and they're great. And that could sound boring and, you know, very chaste of me, but that's how I survive that day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it's boring at all. I think it's mature. (laughs) You know, I just think it's like, it's mature. It's just knowing, like you said, what you, you know, if it's going to lead to day two and day three and then whatever, you can't, it's not worth it. And knowing what's more important to you, the momentary satisfaction of that maple syrup situation or, you know, staying on your plan and, and reaching your goal. Yeah, I, I think that the, the, there's a weird, like, um, there's a weird line between being, like, chaste and puritanical and, like, having a real goal that you're going to attain and, and knowing your limitations that are built up around achieving that goal. And, and so... I can totally have both point of view points of view where where I'm like this is so stupid just have what you want have a little bit use some self control and and I go like yeah okay I've done that I have I've had a bite of pie and it hasn't totally screwed me up and then I've had a slice of pie that's turned into the whole pie that's turned into me standing in front of the refrigerator at two in the morning with a spoon. You know what I mean? Just eating away at stuff. And I think that 
it's it's easy to be strong when you're being strong and once you have a little time under your belt of being strong like it's very easy to take a, a stoic stance and go like this is what i'm doing i'm not deviating from this but it it does require a foundation it's not quite the same as like while you're still being weak which i'm not even putting shade on that that's just I, I, there were many many years when i had no willpower and then you have a tiny little bit of recognition of strength and determination and then you can easily just ruin the progress by trusting yourself too much or allowing yourself the leeway to go off or to deviate from your from your plan and I just think you got to figure out where you're at and, and what's going to be successful for you and what the most important thing is. Like if you're going to go, you know, people have families, families often have expectations. If you're going to go to your family's house and just bum them all out because of how you're eating, either prepare yourself to do that, prepare yourself to tell them to shut the fuck up and to mind their own business and that you're perfectly happy and that the only person who's bringing attention to food is them, not you, you know. But the same flip side is don't show up and just like, you know, mope around while everybody's eating pie and go like, I'm not allowed to have that because, you know, there's <laughs> you gotta kind of take responsibility for your own shit there. Yeah. That's such a, that's such an interesting point because if you, uh, yeah, if I have a lot of concern and worry about what am I going to eat tonight? Am I going to eat? And I talk about my diet all night. Oh, I can't have that. I'm on this thing. Oh, that looks so great. I can't, I can't. Yeah. Keep that away from me. You know, then it's like you're bringing more attention on yourself than if you're just, I had a family member here on Thanksgiving who was sticking to something really specific and just, um, ate their food. And I remember looking over and going like, oh, they're having turkey and vegetables. That's what they're doing. And there was no worry about it because they didn't talk about it. They were just, that's what they ate. And why should we care what everybody else is eating, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. You can bring that on yourself. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah, there's, there's uh, Tom Kyer was the first guy who I, I talked to about this. And I can't remember if it was from the Buddha or another Ch ancient Chinese philosopher, which I should know that. And I have at certain points in my life known who said this, but there's, there's, a, there's kind of like an evolution that we go through and it starts with thoughts. And so our mind is generating these thoughts and then we start to speak the thoughts and they become words. And then based on our words, they become deeds and based on the deeds, they become our character. And so you have the power to, to think a new thought. So I show up at a party and I'm looking around and the thought that keeps overwhelming my consciousness is, God damn, that pie looks good. Well, I do have the power to think about something else. Okay, well, every time I look over here, I'm thinking about how good that pie looks. So I'm not going to look over there. I'm going to look over here and I'm going to look at this painting and think about the painting, whatever it is. So in controlling the thoughts and then the words. So if you find yourself constantly talking about 
how brutalized you are because of your diet, you're not going to necessarily attract, I think, a lot of um, people in support of you because maybe there's going to be some concern. Well, Jesus, if they're so miserable on this diet, is it is it something they can sustain long term? Are they going to have success? Maybe there's something else. And so, you know, if you're going to talk about things in this way, don't just talk about how awful it is talk about the success you're having or how happy you are to not be eating pie or whatever i mean that's just a, uh, another thing to help out if you if you go around I, I have found that when when i've been around my family part of i think what irked them was me moping around watching them eat this delicious food while i had my little dry turkey slice you know right yeah yeah it's not fun it's it's not festive certainly yeah your your mood about it is is really overriding or setting the tone yeah that makes perfect sense yeah and if you have people in your life who are going to try to derail you because that that's real too even if you're successful just have no cracks in the armor to allow them room to get in because if you allow them to get in, they're going to, they could potentially win. But if Mm -hmm. you just never allow them in with words that are going to deviate you or trigger you into doing something, you know, again, this isn't a finite thing. Like I can show up at a party having being totally resolved to, stick to my program and one conversation, which I allow, it all has to, the the willingness has to be there within me, can allow me to fail that night. You know, you look at uh, a big punch bowl of eggnog, you know, with cinnamon sticks or something. I don't know. Is that how people drink eggnog or like fresh <laughs> nutmeg to grind on top of it? There you go. Yeah. You know, I always think about the the movie Christmas Vacation, which I think is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. And they had the the moose cups, the moose glasses. That, <laughs> yeah. And Uncle Eddie was always like just dunking the whole cup in the bowl of eggnog. And I'm looking at this going like, that looks incredible. And then... It even has like some more sickness for me too, because I'm a sober guy and I always imagine somebody dumped half a bottle of brandy in that eggnog, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like you're, you're drinking the eggnog and getting loose and like, that would be a two for one disaster for me, you (laughs) know, eggnog packing on the pounds and then the booze sneaking in there to fuck up my sobriety. Mm -hmm. And, and it just is like literally as simple as a conversation away from how, how how is that eggnog like just that little interest how to mm-hmm. describe it to me oh okay maybe i'll just have one sip and next thing you know you're drunk in an alley yeah don't go anywhere we'll be right back i think you've given some amazing tips here on how to not be drunk in an alley on christmas <laughs> I mean, God, nothing sounds worse. Unless you're emptying your shitter into the gutter in front of uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus's house. And, right. And you got the cigar. And I feel like he still had a cup of eggnog at three o'clock in the morning with a very short terry cloth robe. And, uh, you know, shouting out to them, shitter's full. What better time to be drunk in an alley than like having just 
done something like that. Right. That's okay. So that's the one possibly acceptable. Uh, I mean, if you could just <laughs> jump into a movie and be cousin Eddie, who's yeah. not going to be just, just persistently drunk on eggnog. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, good. I think these are great tips. I feel like um, it's helped me and reminded me uh, of some things that, you know, you've talked about before, but just going back into, you know, it's about, it's about you and, and, you know, it's, I really like your point also about the, the family and just how some people can derail you if you let them derail you, but you're in control of that really ultimately. Yeah. And you know, the, the other crazy thing is, and this is counterintuitive, you can also have people who are rooting for you so hard that that could almost derail you, which I've experienced too in a, in a weird way where you, you're working along at something and then you show up and you see somebody is so much more invested in your success than you are even, mm-hmm. and that can almost take it away from you. So I would just like really be weary of the conversations we want to have over the holidays with family. Family can be so tricky to navigate communication with, especially because there's a lot of history with these people that's not always the the healthiest. And so I just think like for me, I have to own whatever I'm doing. I have to reinforce it before I show up in a situation where there could be problems from either way, from people rooting against you or people rooting for you too much. You know, you show up and everybody just wants to say how successful you look like you've been doing at this diet. That could be enough of an acknowledgement to make you go like, well, I'm done. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if you didn't have your goals super uh, delineated beforehand, this could be a problem. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, 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 at the end of the day, I just don't think it's, you know, when I think about where these meals originated, I think of people who didn't eat a lot and then probably saved a good deal of money that went to a feast and they, they all come together in this moment to enjoy and celebrate food. But it, for me, and and I'm putting no moral value on this that I think of as um, objective. This is purely my subjective take on it and how I rationalize the evolution of these holidays and I think like, yeah, if, if I had been, you know, borderline malnourished for most of the year and then we had scrimped and saved or canned and jarred shit we grew or, you know, we'd been letting a pig fatten and we were going to go out back and slaughter him and, and or, you know, for, for vegetarians, we have a garden with... Uh, you know, we're mostly selling off our vegetables to, to pay for our lives. And then we're hoarding some and canning them and jarring them, getting ready for the holidays. And then we're going to have this big celebration and make a pie or whatever it is. And we all come together and have this feast. Like, that's how I think of these holidays coming to be. But as of today, it's like, you know, 
we have more calories at the gas station than the people who initiated these holidays had for most of the year. Yeah. And so what is the meaning of it? Like Mm -hmm. we overeat all year long and then we celebrate some arbitrary holiday by overeating again. I almost think we would be better off just fasting through the holidays or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it would be the opposite of what we've been experiencing for most of the year. Yeah. No, that's totally true. I never thought about the history of it in that way. I I could be wrong too. I don't know, but I I do know that historically people didn't eat as much as we eat now. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Hear you loud and clear. God, what a somber, what a somber ending to the holiday episode. (laughs) Well, let me just say this. I think, you know, Something that I think I've learned, I can only speak for myself, is that you can, you know, I'm trying to focus on the joy of like, thank God my family is healthy with all the challenges of this year, right? And I'm together with the people I'm allowed to be together with right now. And what is the meaning of it all? And what what did what happened this year? And what did we get through and accomplish together? You know, and and how to be better next year and all that and focus a little less on the meal itself and the food. It's hard, you know, because we're just so conditioned and trained. Like, it's like Christmas, Christmas dinner, Christmas, da, 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 da. it's not, I don't know, you know, it, it's just, it can be um, mindless. So I'm just trying to go, okay, great. And just be in the moment and not be so concerned about the food and the pie and the thing and the cheese and the, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's what I want to do. I I also want to enjoy having a bit of the stuff that I enjoy having. I, I don't even know what that is. Like right now in this moment, I'm not hungry, which is great. That's another thing you can do. Just show up to every meal already full yeah front loaded on protein and you know no real room to damage yourself right it's almost like uh you know going grocery shopping hungry i i find that i make a lot more poor decisions than i do if i go having just eaten yeah 100 percent. that's totally right love okay, it good i hope this has been helpful to someone I hope so too. I have a feeling it has. And uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on to discuss this with you. I'm going to take your tips and uh, use them as much as I can. Okay, good. So, hey, Ethan, Tina wants to know, how much protein do you need for muscle gain and why? Everywhere I hear and read that it's one gram per one pound of body weight, but I've spoken with nutritionists who say that's too much. Well, Tina, right? Mm-hmm. Tina, thanks for the question. I don't even think of one gram per pound of body weight as being for muscle gain. I think of that just to maintain muscle mass. And when I go to increase muscle mass, I will be eating a little bit more than that, like 1.1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body mass, a body body weight. So I, I listen, this is this is one of those things where you're going to have many people have different ideas on this. And, and some people will say that you can too much protein is hard on your kidneys. And, but the, when you look at like what the bodybuilders do, they eat a massive amount of protein 
And for the most part, they eat a massive amount of protein followed by carbs and very little fat. And then I know there are some very few kind of keto bodybuilders. Those to me are the exceptions because they're almost anecdotal because there's so few of them. I found that I felt better when I, when I increased my protein. I found that I retained my muscle mass more strictly when I increased my protein. You can read plenty of studies on why this is, and I'm sure you can find studies that say don't eat too much protein. If you are eating a massive amount of protein and getting stomach aches, maybe it's not a good idea for you to eat that much protein. Uh, That's just what's worked for me, and when I look at what bodybuilders do, and, and I don't really consider myself a bodybuilder because I've never done any building of my body in the way that those guys do it. I've just been trying to lose fat in the way that those guys lose fat, which is preserving muscle at every gram that I possibly can and only losing fat, not losing lean tissue and not dehydrating myself, just fat loss. And the way those guys generally do that is front loading everything with lean protein. So that's why I do it. If you have a question you would like me to answer on the air, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>